0: Well, hey everybody i'm adam shell the pastor at melbourne heights and welcome to our sermon podcast now in this episode of our podcast we are starting into a brand new series of sermons as we start looking ahead to easter sunday Now, most years in the weeks leading up to Easter, we spend our time together talking about how we need to refocus in on our relationship with God, or we spend our time talking about how we can prepare ourselves to get ready to celebrate the good news of the resurrection, or we spend our time encouraging you to refocus in on your relationship with God so you can grow in your faith. But this year at Melbourne Heights, we're treating the weeks leading up to Easter a little bit differently. And that's because Easter doesn't happen in a vacuum. Easter happens in the real world. And in the real world, we have all been experiencing some difficult times over the course of the last year because of COVID-19. So this year and the weeks leading up to Easter, we want to talk with you about how we can follow God when we face difficult times in our lives. And we're going to be doing that by exploring some of the stories that happened during not only one of the most difficult times in Jesus' time on this earth, but also in the entire history of the church. And all of these events take place during Holy Week, the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. So we're going to get started today by taking a look at one of the events that takes place on the Sunday of Holy Week. And let's get right into this episode sermon. Well, as hard as it may be to believe, Easter Sunday is now only six weeks away. And if you have ever been to a church on an Easter Sunday before, then you have a pretty good idea of what that means. On Easter Sunday, the church you're attending, their parking lot is supposed to be a little bit fuller. And it's supposed to take you a little bit longer to find your seat in the sanctuary. On Easter Sunday, everyone is supposed to be decked out in their Sunday best. And they're supposed to be wearing their best smiles, too. On Easter Sunday, the church that you're in is supposed to pull out all the stops to put together a worship service that you'll remember. And the preacher? Well, the preacher is supposed to preach a sermon that you won't soon forget. But that's just what Easter is supposed to be like. Last year was a pretty stark reminder for us all that everything isn't all rainbows and sunshine just because it's Easter. Last year, instead of seeing our parking lot filled with cars, it was completely empty because of the coronavirus pandemic. Instead of struggling to find a seat inside of a crowded sanctuary, Our church was still struggling to figure out how to do church online. Instead of being decked out in our Sunday best, a lot of us were sitting at home on our couches wearing our pajamas. And although we did everything that we could to try to celebrate the good news of Easter last year, it just wasn't the same celebration that we're all used to. And it's all because Easter Sunday doesn't exist inside of a vacuum. And that means that Easter doesn't take place in a perfect world. Easter happens in the real world. Easter happens in the real world. And in the real world, pandemics don't go away just because Easter is coming. In the real world, viruses aren't miraculously cured just because Easter is coming. In the real world, problems don't get solved just because Easter is coming. In the real world, struggles don't disappear just because Easter is coming. And in the real world, hard times don't get any easier just because Easter is coming. And even though last year drove this reality home for every single one of us, this is actually the case every single Easter. Every single Easter, there are people in our church that are facing problems. Every single Easter, there are people in our church that are dealing with struggles. Every single Easter, there are people in our church that are going through difficult times. There are people that are worshiping with us online right now that have had their worlds turned upside down by the coronavirus. But there are also people that are worshipping with us online right now that are on the verge of filing for bankruptcy. And there are people that are worshipping with us online right now who are going through a rough spot in their marriage. And there are people that are worshipping with us online right now that aren't sure if they're still going to have a job this time next week. And there are people that are worshipping with us online right now That are wondering, wondering if they will ever be able to pay off their student loans. And there are people that are worshiping with us online right now that haven't spoken to their parents or to their own children in years. There are people that are worshiping with us online right now that are mourning the loss of a spouse, the loss of a sibling, or even the loss of a child. But most years, Most years we don't talk about this kind of stuff in the weeks that are leading up to Easter. Most years we spend the weeks that are leading up to Easter talking about how we can reconnect with God. Or we spend our time talking about how we can grow closer to God. Or we spend our time talking about how we can take our faith to the next level. This year, it's a lot harder for us to ignore the problems and the struggles that are happening all around us. And that's because for perhaps the first time in the entire history of our particular church, we know that everyone in our entire congregation is going through a difficult time in the weeks leading up to Easter. I mean, it has been over 11 months since the last time that our church met together to worship in person. So even though we are doing the best that we can to connect with you online each week, we are all feeling at least a little bit isolated right now. On top of that, we haven't really been able to leave our own houses to enjoy even the smaller pleasures in life. Things like dinner at a nice restaurant or making a trip to the movies. So we all have at least a little bit of cabin fever. And that doesn't even mention the anxiety that we are all still feeling because we are living through a pandemic that has contributed to the deaths of millions of people all across the globe. So this year, in the weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, I want to do something that we don't usually do at Easter. Instead of trying to get you hyped up about celebrating Jesus' resurrection or talking with you about how you can take your relationship with God to the next level, I want us to spend our time together over the course of the next six Sundays talking about things that we need to know that will help us follow God even when we face difficult times. And we're going to do that by exploring some of the events that take place during one of the most difficult times in the history of our faith. Over the course of the next six weeks, we are going to be working our way through some of the events that happened in the weeks leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. A week that we in the church refer to as Holy Week. And since we're exploring the events of Holy Week, Over the next few weeks together, well, there is no better place that we can start than at the very beginning of Holy Week. And the first big event that takes place during Holy Week, it happens on the first day of that week. It happens on Sunday when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. But before we can talk about what happened when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, we need to spend a little bit of time talking about what has been happening in Israel in the years that led up to Holy Week. And about three years before Holy Week, Jesus began his ministry on this earth. Now, the truth is that we don't have enough time this morning for me to dig too deep into all of the ministry that Jesus did over these three years. So I'm just going to cover it with some pretty broad brushstrokes for you. But we do need to know the basics to really appreciate what's going to happen as Holy Week begins. So, during his three years of ministry, Jesus primarily travels around the northern portion of Israel in an area that we refer to as Galilee. And everywhere Jesus goes in Galilee, a crowd always seems to follow him. And I think that there are at least two reasons why these crowds always seem to show up no matter where it is that Jesus goes. The first reason why these crowds always seem to show up no matter where it is that Jesus goes is because of Jesus's message. To put it as simply as I possibly can, Jesus's message is just different. The gospel of Matthew or Matthew's biography of Jesus, it flat out tells us that Jesus teaches like someone with authority and not like the legal experts of his time. And Jesus does this by reframing a lot of the things that the people of Israel have been told for years. Like, you'll hear Jesus say things along the lines of, you have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's just one example I can give. But in Jesus' message of God's radical love, it draws people to him. But that's not all. The other reason why people seem to flock to Jesus wherever he goes is because of the miracles that Jesus performs. Throughout his ministry, Jesus feeds the multitudes. He heals the sick. Jesus gives sight to the blind, and he causes the lame to walk and the mute to talk. Jesus even brings people back to life from the dead. So people follow Jesus wherever he goes because they hope that they can experience one of these miracles for themselves. And I'm telling you all of this because I want you to realize that as Holy Week begins, Jesus isn't just some new kid on the block. For three years, Jesus has been doing ministry. For three years, Jesus has been drawing a crowd. And for three years, word about who Jesus is and what Jesus has been doing has been spreading all around Israel. But knowing what Jesus has been doing in the years leading up to Holy Week is only part of what we need to know to understand what happens during Holy Week. The other thing that we need to know happened about 70 years before Holy Week took place. And about 70 years earlier, or in 63 BC, the Roman general Pompey led an army into Israel and they conquered Jerusalem. And after Rome conquered Jerusalem, Israel becomes an official client state of the Roman Empire. So the people of Israel are no longer an independent nation. The people of Israel no longer have any say whatsoever in their politics or who their religious leaders are going to be. The people of Israel are officially under Roman rule and under Roman occupation. So as the events of Holy Week begin, the people of Israel have been living under Roman rule for decades. And it's safe to say that after all of those years of living under Roman rule, people of Israel are ready for a change. The people of Israel are ready to be free. So this is what's been happening prior to the events of Holy Week. The people of Israel have been living under Roman rule for decades, and they're ready to be free. And now Jesus, Jesus, someone who has been building a following for years, someone who has a reputation for being a miracle worker, is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem just so happens to be the political and the religious capital of all of Israel. So with all of that in mind, let's see what happens next. And to see what happens next, we're gonna be taking a look at Mark chapter 11 together. Now, just as a reminder for you, the book of Mark is essentially Mark's biography of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 11, we're going to read about what happens on the Sunday of Holy. And this is what Mark tells us happens when Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Mark 11, we'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what Mark writes When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Beth Page in Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this, say, its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. Now, even if this is the first time that you have ever heard this story, it's pretty easy to see that Jesus receives a very warm welcome when he enters into Jerusalem. But for a lot of us that are worshiping together online right now, this isn't the first time that we've heard the story. Many of us have heard this same story around the same time of year, every single year for about as long as we can remember. So we know this story. We know about Jesus sending his disciples off to find a donkey that he can ride into Jerusalem. We know that as Jesus enters into the city, that the crowds have gathered to greet him. We know that these crowds are singing and they are shouting. We know that they are waving leaves from palm branches in celebration. And we know that they are laying their own clothes across the ground for the donkey that Jesus is riding to walk on. We know the story. And because we know this story, we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what actually happens in this story. But almost every detail in this story is meant to tell us something about who Jesus is. And that's because almost every detail in this story relates directly to something that we find in the Old Testament about Israel's kings. Just take the donkey that's mentioned in this passage of scripture as an example. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on this colt. And colt is a term that's used to describe a male donkey that's less than four years old. And according to the prophet Zechariah, the king of Israel will come riding triumphally into the city of Jerusalem on the back of a colt. And it's something that one of Israel's greatest kings, Solomon himself, actually did in the book of 1 Kings. But that's not all. How does Jesus go about getting this donkey? Well, Jesus sends his disciples out to requisition this animal from its owner. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, the prophet Samuel predicts that Israel's future kings will take your male and female servants along with the best of your cattle and donkeys and make them do his work. And how do the disciples actually go about acquiring this donkey in the first place? Well, the disciples untie the donkey, which is related to something that Jacob predicts about Israel's anticipated kings at the end of the book of Genesis. (laughs) That's just the part about the donkey. In this passage, we can also talk about the way that the people in the crowd spread their garments out before Jesus as he arrives into Jerusalem. And this is also something that happens in 2 Kings chapter 9, right after Jehu is anointed king of Israel. Or we can talk about the way that the crowds shout out, Hosanna! and how the call of Hosanna actually comes from a psalm that was used when a new king took his place on the throne. Or we can talk about the way that the palm branches were used to welcome another conquering hero into the city of Jerusalem. But when you put all of these things together, the part about the donkey and the coats and the palm branches, it becomes clear that Mark wants us to know that Jesus isn't just some teacher who's been traveling through the northern portion of Israel for the last few years. And Mark wants us to know that Jesus isn't just a miracle worker who has somehow been healing the sick and feeding the multitudes. Mark is making it clear that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And there is a reason why Mark goes to such extreme lengths to show us that Jesus is king. Mark goes to these extreme lengths to show us that Jesus is king Because everything that takes place in this story seems like it couldn't be any better. But it doesn't stay that way. When this story of Jesus' triumphal entry comes to an end, life gets real. Here's what I mean. By the end of Holy Week, the crowd that welcomed Jesus like a king will be calling for his execution. By the end of Holy Week, Jesus will be betrayed and abandoned by all of his closest friends. And by the end of Holy Week, Jesus will be crucified like a common criminal. So Mark starts out the story of Holy Week by telling us about Jesus' triumphal entry. Because Mark wants us to know that no matter what else may happen over the rest of Holy Week, that Jesus is still King even though the crowds will turn against him. Jesus is king. And there's a reason why Mark goes to such extreme lengths to show us that Jesus is king. Mark goes to these extreme lengths to show us that Jesus is king because even though everything that takes place in the story of the triumphal entry seems like it couldn't possibly be any better, it doesn't stay that way. When the story of Jesus' triumphal entry ends, life gets real. Here's what I mean. By the end of Holy Week, the crowd that welcomed Jesus like a king will be calling for his execution. By the end of Holy Week, Jesus will be betrayed or abandoned by all of his closest friends. And by the end of Holy Week, Jesus will be crucified like a common criminal. So Mark starts out the story of Holy Week by telling us about Jesus' triumphal entry. Because Mark wants us to know that no matter what else takes place over the rest of Holy Week, that Jesus is still king. Even though the crowd will turn against him, Jesus is still king. Even though his friends will either betray him or abandon him, Jesus is still king. Even though he will be tortured and humiliated, Jesus is still king. Even though he will die on a cross, Jesus is still king. And that's something that we all need to remember when we are going through difficult times in our lives. We need to remember that Jesus is still king. No matter how many problems you may be facing, Jesus is still king. No matter how hard your struggles may be, Jesus is still king. No matter how difficult your life may seem, Jesus is still king. Or to put it another way, no matter what the world may bring, Jesus is still king. No matter what the world may bring, Jesus is still king. And there's nothing that can change that. We've seen that over the last 11 months. We've seen that Jesus is still king, even as we have lived through a pandemic. We've seen that Jesus is still king, even though we haven't been able to worship together in person for more than 11 months. We've seen that Jesus is still king, even though we've been cooped up in our houses, just trying to keep from spreading this novel and potentially deadly virus. So the first thing you need to know, To continue following Jesus, even in the most difficult times, is that Jesus is still king. And you need to remember that Jesus is still king to help you keep things in the right perspective. Because it's okay to struggle. It's okay to be in pain. It's okay to have problems. But you have to remember that your struggles don't rule over you. You have to remember that your pain isn't in charge of your life. You have to remember that your problems don't get the last word in your life. You have to remember that Jesus is still king. So Jesus is in control of your life. Jesus is in charge of your life. Jesus will get the last word in your life. And there's nothing that can change that. So no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard your life may be right now, Remember who is ultimately in control. Remember that Jesus is still king. And remind yourself to always trust in your king. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we just thank you so much for what we have been reminded of this morning, God. You know that all of us face difficulties in our lives. And the truth is that the last 11 months have been some of the most difficult that many of us have ever faced. But in spite of the difficulties that we experience, God, nothing can change the fact that Jesus is still our king. It's not the coronavirus. It's not our economic state. It's not our ability to get out and do things when we want to do them. Jesus is the king. This world should be the king of our lives, God. So help us to remember that no matter what we're facing, no matter how difficult the times may be that we are going through, God, that you were still in control. You were still in charge. You are still our king. Help us to trust in you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning into this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's sermon has reminded you that no matter what you may be facing in your life, no matter how difficult the circumstances may be, that Jesus is still our King. So we need to trust in God, rely on God, and realize that the difficult circumstances that we face are not in control. Ultimately, God is the one that's in control. Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about the events that take place during Holy Week. And we're going to learn from them how we can keep our faith and continue to follow God even when we face difficult times. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when that episode drops next Sunday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And you're also invited to come and worship with us any Sunday morning that you'd like. We worship at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at MHBc louisville.com and we would love to have you well until we get together next week i hope that you guys have a great week this week and we look forward to seeing you again for another sermon podcast